Now, welcome to the CatTunes podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Crowley. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And welcome to the fourth episode of the Cattoons podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Fixing Kiss, which is the fourth song from the I Tell You What album. Just a reminder, the I Tell You What album was released on January 6th, 2021. The original old version of I Tell You What album was written between 2007 and 2008, and this is why I'm going to be talking about the original contents of this song, where does it come from, why was it written, and uh, what kind of story lies behind it. So let's rewind to 2008, spring 2008, late March, early April, the time when Fixing Kiss was actually being born. And just like a lot of other songs, not only on the I Tell You What album, but also on my entire catalog, this song was born out of a crush, a romantic crush. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory, a little bit of a backdrop to what was going on back then. So late March, early April in Moscow usually is the time when you have some sunshine showing up, you have the snow that is melting, the snow and ice is melting off, and you can finally feel spring in the air. And it feels really, really good because usually in Moscow, you have basically healthy year of winter, and then you really can't wait, at least me. I couldn't wait for spring to finally come and for summer to take over. So usually in March, I would be really sniffing out the air and sniffing out the, the odor of spring. And I've always seen this time as a very romantic time for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe because spring is in the air and that automatically sort of implies that it's also a time for dating, for love. Love is in the air, basically. So in spring 2008, I was basically a year and a half into my hormone treatment, into my transition. I've had a very heightened interest in guys and in dating, and uh, I was writing songs about that, and that's basically what the entire album is about. It is made of stories of crushes, of romance, of love, and loneliness, and urban loneliness, all of those things. And this song is no exception. Back in those days, I've had telepop music in my player quite often, and I would listen I would listen to those tracks, and um, I was quite fascinated by their album called Angel Milk, as far as I remember. I found it to be very romantic, and there was, generally speaking, what I felt 
happening in my life, I felt that there was a lot of change and uh, I was very anxious and eager about everything new that was happening. And just as I've described in other episodes of this podcast, specifically pertaining to this album, at that time I was moving around quite often and I really didn't know where am I going to end up in the next month. So there was this spirit of change everywhere that I would go. And that was a beautiful feeling. On one hand, it was a very anxious feeling, on the other hand, it was a very beautiful feeling. And to a certain extent, I really genuinely enjoyed it, even though at the time, sometimes I got really overwhelmed with it. So getting back to Fixing Kiss, a lot of the basics for this song actually comes from this pulsating feeling of change, this rhythm of change that I felt at the time. And you can hear it literally in the sound of the song, in the intro of the song, with this one chord and the pulsation of the rhythm, just as it goes and flows back and forth, back and forth. And it's it's a very upbeat song, Fix and Kiss. It's not, it's not a slow song, it's not depressive at all. It has a hint of sadness to it because, because of the reasons that I've described on the previous episode when I was talking about Blue Grin, for example. So those flavors are still there, however, it is still a very energetic track. And I think that generally speaking, Fixing Kiss is a brighter, lighter song on this album. It is not really depressive, it is not sarcastic, it is rather upbeat. Even though it's in a minor key, it's still, qu it's still quite upbeat. And thematically, this song describes something something really positive. It describes a kiss, it describes a crush, it describes a love affair, and it describes it in a somewhat eclectic fashion. It's a little messy, but it's very romantic. And uh, I think what I was trying to capture, I was trying to capture the spirit of spring in 2008, when the snow is melting and the sun starts to show up more and more and the days are getting a little warmer, and the streets are still a mess, you know, the streets are still a mess because there's a lot of this uh, a lot of this mud and dirt and the dirty, darker snow and uh, the traffic is heavy and whatnot. Everything is sort of old, you know. In March, in Moscow, usually in the midst of this busy city, I would feel like this is the old hag, the old hag of winter getting reborn into the young the young girl of spring, if that makes any sense, you see what I'm saying. So, Fixing Kiss captures this feeling on a variety of levels. And this messiness and eagerness and warmth, they're apparent in the lyrical content of this song. So, let's look into the lyrics and I will try to explain line by line or verse by verse what is it all about and if there is anything under those lines that you might have missed. So, as I said before, this is quite a straightforward song, it's quite simple, it's about a crush, it's about dating a guy and being really excited about this, it's spring in the air, warmer days, and looking forward to a second date, basically, that's what the song is about. So, so here we go, here's the first verse, and this is basically a recital of, of a chain of events, what am I doing, and where my, where my eyes land, basically, what do I see and what do I do? And all of this is happening in the context of being really in a hurry and being late and uh, 
perhaps I was up too late last night and uh, now it's somewhere in the afternoon and I'm really getting late because I woke up too late which was a quite a normal occurrence at the time so so here is the first verse woke up shower danced at the mirror soothed my breasts with aroma gel checked my legs for hair midday nearer I'm too nervous why the hell Kettles boiling, wardrobes wide open, skirts and bras scattered on the bed. Smoke break time, F the lighter, it's broken, made an O, my lips pale red. My mascara's too old to thick fading, eye bags, shit, my cheeks are dry. Got some cream, my hot coffee's waiting, a couple of crackers on the side. Face done, eyelashes brushed, got the shivers, rushing naked to and fro. I'm getting late, checking the time at my front door. So you see, this is quite a messy afternoon, and um, woke up, showered, danced at the mirror. Well, of course, I had to wake up, soothe my breasts with aroma gel, and back then, I didn't have really prominent breasts. However, I would use aroma gel. I was a huge fan of aroma gels. Checked my legs for hair midday era. Well, of course, obviously, as a girl, I would check. I would check my legs for hair before going on a date. I'm too nervous. Why the hell? Kettles boiling, wardrobes wide open. Yeah. Back then I didn't have an electric kettle and I was living with my aunt, my grandfather's elder daughter, and it was my grandfather's apartment and he had old school kettles. So I was probably boiling a kettle and trying to get me some tea or something like that, uh, or coffee, and I was boiling a kettle and it was an old school kettle. Kettles boiling water wide open. I would, I would spend like a whole half an hour trying to figure out what am I supposed to look like and what am I supposed to put on because it's always such a problem, you don't know what to put on when you're going out on a date. It's a nightmare. Skirts and breasts scattered on the bed. Uh, smoke break time. F the lighter. It's broken. Made an O. My lips pale red. If you're a woman, if you're a girl, you know what I'm talking about when you're trying to really pick your underwear and you're taking a, taking a break for a smoke, for a cig. And your lighter uh, is sort of clunky and doesn't work properly, and you're all nervous. And you check your you check your lipstick, and you look at your lips, and you you make sure that they're all on point. My mascara is too old to thick fading. I don't remember what brand of mascara was I using back then, but I do remember that I had that problem at the time. Exactly when I was writing this song, my mascara was too old, and I needed to buy a new one. And I couldn't afford it. Damn it. Eye bags, that was a huge concern of mine. Like, I would wake up and I would wake up late after almost an all-nighter and I would have these dark circles around my eyes and bags and I would try to fight them. My cheeks are dry. I wasn't hydrated properly at the time, so I would end up waking up and my cheeks would be sort of dry. Got some cream, my hot coffee's waiting. I drank, I used to drink coffee with a latte or I used to drink coffee with cream. A couple of crackers on the side, face down, eyelashes brushed, got the shivers. Rushing naked to and fro, I'm getting late checking the time at my front door. And then there's the hook, and it says, Each time we kiss, you fix me tenderly in a heartbeat. Each time we kiss, you take me whole, and I'm safe. We get what we crave. Well, and that's basically the ultimate description of how rewarding does it feel to go through all of this preparation, through all of this eagerness and anxiety and uh, messiness and be in such a hurry and be so nervous and so with your heart pumping blood through your veins and your 
your heart rate going absolutely off the charts and then finally meeting him somewhere in the subway station catching him by the hand and uh, and getting that first kiss and it's so rewarding and uh, it just sends you somewhere to heaven and all of a sudden the world just stops and you don't care for nothing you really don't care for nothing it's just him and you and nobody else and um, the world can wait the world can wait it's a very magical place you know what I'm saying if you've been in love you know what I'm talking about so then in the second verse there's the description a continuation of this description it says subway cab a smoke in the front seat it started snowing, I take haste, my knees got cold, I gaze but I can't see, through the panes all looks erased. Paid the cabbie got out, it's so windy, the phone lights up, it's almost dead, that's not you, so I keep repeating Slipknot's sulfur in my head. I know you're here, you've waited for so long, I can sense your thoughts so near, in the crowd they taste like a solo, each and all of them I hear. An anxious glimpse, and there I can see you. Our eyes light up, our smiles cohere. I'm so late, but anyways, now we are here. So I'm guessing what I was describing is that I, I took the subway, and then I had to take a cab. And the cabbie allowed me to smoke on the front seat, which was a wonderful thing. I always loved it. Back then I was, uh, I was smoking cigarettes, back then. I always found it wonderful. I always loved the cabbies that would allow me to smoke on the front seat. That was that was a, a gift, really. Somehow it felt very comforting, so I would smoke in the front seat. And then, because it's March, it's late March, early April, it still can snow, and it quite often happens in Moscow that it gets darker later, but it still can start snowing at some point. It's not exactly spring. I gaze, but I can't see. My knees got cold. I'm guessing I was wearing one of my miniskirts to that date, that evening. I gaze, but I can't see through the panes, all looks erased. Paid the cabbie got out, it's so windy. Oh, March is so windy in Moscow, I'm telling you. The phone lights up, it's almost dead. That's not you, so I keep repeating Slipknot's sulfur in my head and that was something that was quite often running through my mind like when I would get really nervous or generally speaking just when I would be going somewhere even if I was not listening to my player there would be some music playing in my mind constantly all the time and sometimes there would be a tune that would just stick with me for like half the day and I couldn't get it out of my head and at the time I was a huge fan of Slipknot, and I was playing Slipknot a lot. And here, on the modern version of this song, I've used Slipknot's Sulfur. But the truth is, is that at the time, in the old version, the old version says Circle. There is a song by Slipknot from their Volume 3 Subliminal Verses album, a song called Circle. It's sort of a slow 6-8 song. And uh, it was stuck in my head. I've replaced it with sulfur here because I just wanted to make a little bit more of an emphasis and uh, vary it a little bit. However, it was still Slipknot, it was still the same band. I know you're here, you've waited for so long, I can sense your thoughts so near. This is that feeling when I'm getting late and when I know that the guy was waiting for me for so long, perhaps a half an hour, maybe maybe 40 minutes and I'm really nervous and I really didn't want to make him wait for me for too long and I wouldn't want to disappoint him 
And at the same time, I'm so anxious about that I've that I forced him to wait for me that I almost feel like I can hear his thoughts in my head. It's this feeling. In the crowd they taste like a solo, each and one of them I hear. An anxious glimpse, and there I can see you. Our eyes light up, our smiles cohere. I'm so late, but anyways, now we are here. And that is the ultimate blissful moment after all of this. After all of this, here we are finally. So then there is the hook again. Each time we kiss, you fix me tenderly in a heartbeat. Each time we kiss, you take me whole and I'm safe, we get what we crave. And the hook repeats itself, it's basically exactly the same hook, there is no change. Then there is this middle section in the song where it says, Every time we kiss, it's like we are drunken with the sweetest wine, and the only reason why is I'm yours and you are mine. Every time we kiss, it's like we're drunken with the sweetest wine, and the only reason why is I'm yours and you are mine. It basically describes the state of ultimate bliss, something that I have considered as a state of ultimate bliss back in the day, and I think I still consider it that way. When I'm with a man, and I'm his, and he's mine, and there is nothing else. Nothing else matters, basically. The whole world doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Everything else is out of the way, and this is just him and me, and we're happy. When we kiss, when we kiss, then there is the hook that repeats itself two, three times. Well, two times, to be more precise. And then in the end, there is the outro. Each time we kiss, I give my all and I'm safe. When we kiss, each time we kiss, you make me whole and I'm safe. When we kiss. And this, in this outro, there is a little bit of a change that goes on to, the, to these lines. So all of a sudden, I give my all, and I'm safe. And ultimately, this describes the way I've always felt about men and about being in a romantic relationship with a man, that when I'm really into the guy, I really give him my all. And what happens in return is that I sort of open him up and he gives me everything that he got, and that makes me whole. Because sometimes when I had these periods of time in my life when I was single, when I was alone or I was somewhere in between, I would get sort of scattered around. And it's not to the extent that I would have like multiple personalities or something like this, no. But it would be like having yourself spread out too thin and a little bit disjointed. So then when there is this force of love that comes in and you fall in love, you have a romantic relationship with someone and then that force comes in and sort of unifies parts of you that were left out of the bigger picture. You see what I'm saying? So, ultimately, these lines that conclude the song, they describe my perception of what does it feel like to be in love when it's a very mutual feeling that grows you, that brings you together, that makes you stronger, that brings cohesion into your existence. So basically, as you can see, this entire song, Fix and Kiss, on one hand is pretty damn straightforward. There is no like subplot or other meaning here. It's pretty damn straightforward. It is a little messy, it is sort of very poetic, it is very romantic, and um, that's the story.
Now, as for the musical aspects of Fix and Kiss, as I said in the beginning of this episode, Fix and Kiss starts out in a pretty static place, one could say, because it's basically just one chord. And then it changes into a D major 7. There is a little pause after this rhythmical intro. And then we're going into the first verse. And the first verse basically first verse dances around the same chord and around all the notes that you can imagine in a seven in a seven and a nine chord so we're building around C sharp minor seven with a nine and here goes the melody there is a 13 up there Seven uh, it's all seven chords. Back to C sharp minor. D major seven. We're prepping to go into the hook and then the hook comes. And here is the chord sequence underneath the hook. C-sharp minor, we're going into an E major 7. And then there is a chromatic movement below. And it's moving pretty fast in both versions of the songs. 
because of the high BPM, so it's not immediately obvious. However, then it moves back to the 6th, to A major 7. Another joint little bridge. Then in the old version there is a cello that plays that same pattern below. Then there is the second verse which basically repeats the same chord progression, C-sharp minor, second verse has a lot of little piano stuff going on there, little phrases. In both versions, because in the older version the piano was programmed and everything else was electronic and very transparent. In the modern version there is a lot of guitar going on and little riffs that are being played in percussion and the piano is moving and playing little sub-solos you could say so it's all airy it's all somewhere in the higher register and it moves and it moves and it moves and it ultimately builds up to the next hook then there's the next hook again and that's a double hook Yeah, there is this little bridge that sort of 
replicates what was going on in the beginning of the song and then in the other bridge leading into the second verse. So it's the same story again. We're keeping up we're keeping up the same pattern, we're keeping up the same rhythm. Again, same movement from C sharp minor, sort of a mysterious move, half tone upwards into a major into a major seven chord to D major seven. And then all of a sudden, instead of moving back into the minor key, we are in the middle section and we have we are in C sharp major, and that is a C sharp major seven chord. D minor seven, B major seven nine, E major seven nine. minor but meanwhile we're still going back into the C sharp major and we're repeating the same sequence it changes into a major key instead of the minor that was reinforced throughout the song all of a sudden this is a major seven so it so it constitutes for a major contrast all these seven chords all these nine chords create a lot of air a lot of atmospheric feel bridge, another little melody that helps us build up to the last double hook. Now what's going on there? We got, again, we're back in C sharp minor, only it isn't immediately apparent because there is really no instrument that plays that emphasizes the E there, so we don't know if we're already in minor or are we still in the major key. It sounds sort of empty. G sharp 
suspended fourth, then it repeats itself again. major and this is when we know that things are going back into the hook. itself and then there is the ending the outro and the outro basically just dies off gradually it doesn't immediately end it just continues play some sort of riffs that are walking back and forth with the bass they're doing their little interplay there everything else is subsiding gradually until it comes to its final conclusion and disperses into the air into the last chord and fades out that's basically the musical components for fix and kiss Ultimately, Fixing Kiss occupies the fourth position on the I Tell You What album for a reason. It's still in the first uh, in the first third of the album because it is still sort of among the opening songs. It leads up to songs like Sort Out, which is slower and sadder and more melancholic and sort of more philosophical, you could say. So it's still the first third of the album, which is... I don't want to use the word naive, but sort of more eager and lighter and um, more anxious at the same time. It is still about spring 2008 and um, early 2008, generally speaking, when certain things still didn't happen, so certain grievances still didn't knock at the door, you could put it this way. So, Blue Grin, Fix and Kiss, I tell you what, all of these songs that were written in the first months of 2008 or still in late 2007. So there was sort of a build-up to what follows. Fix and Kiss couldn't happen in the end of the album because it's not a conclusive track, it's a leading-up track. It serves its purpose rather like a springing board into the rest of the album. Also it stands on the fourth position in stark contrast to the fifth track which I will explore in the next episode. And that track is Sort Out, which is a slow trip-hop style track with a very bluesy melody and um, I would say a deeply philosophical meaning. These two songs, the fourth and the fifth song, Fix and Kiss and Sort Out, they're very much in stark contrast to one another. Sort Out is definitely a lot darker than Fix and Kiss, so there is a purpose to this too. 
Fist and Kiss occupies this place between Blue Grin, which was funky but sort of darkish and sort of sad, and Sort Out, which is again even darker than Blue Grin, even slower than Blue Grin and not funky at all, rather bluesy. So Fix and Kiss brightens up things between these two songs and that's why it precisely sits there. The modern version of Fix and Kiss also features my cello, Rita. I have really tried to do my best playing this difficult instrument, it, it wasn't easy at all, but I figured that I would need some replacement or I would need to play what was programmed in the original Fix and Kiss track from 2008 because the original track has some staccato, marcato strings that were sampled and um, obviously I didn't play them, I've just programmed them, but they were giving this song a very distinct feel and I wanted to replicate that feel but I didn't want to go to programming strings again so I definitely needed to pick up the cello and try to do the best I could which I did and I've combined the cello sound with some sampled strings which I think played out pretty damn well but ultimately Fixing Kiss features a lot of acoustic guitars and electric guitar that are played live that are played for real and so when you have live instruments like a bass guitar a bass guitar that is not sampled that is a real bass guitar and you got some real guitars when you put on top of that some sampled strings all of a sudden they become they sound sort of dead so that was a factor that pushed me towards picking up the cello and actually recording a full-blown cello part for this song. One of the greatest difficulties in the recording process of this song, both the older version from 2008 and the modern version from 2020, were the vocals. Because it's very busy, the vocal line is very fast-paced and there is a lot of tone half-tone movement going on and then all of a sudden in the hook there is this huge leap all the way to the C sharp and back back in the day in 2008 when I was recording the old vocals I was a smoker so my vocal cords behaved in a different fashion and I had a feel for going into that register going to the top C sharp and then going into an E even higher in the second and fourth lines on the hook but Nowadays, the modern version of Fix and Kiss, it posed a unique challenge because my voice has changed so much and I'm no longer a smoker, so the feel for that upper register was different and hitting those notes, really getting there, really landing there, was a tremendous challenge. However, on the modern version I didn't want to change the key of this song because ultimately whenever I hear a song inside of me when I'm writing a song it is written in a certain key for a reason because it is sort of attached to a certain place on the musical scale and uh, it's not that it can't be transposed of course it can be transposed but it just starts to have a different feel it would fixing kiss would sound different would it have had a different key like if it was written in a minor it would have had a darker color I don't know or if it was somewhere in B minor it will be a different flavor altogether. Maybe I'm just too picky, but ultimately Fix and Kiss is a very, a very sharp minor song, and it's a light song at the same time. It's light and it's sharp, and so when I'm thinking of light and sharp, I'm thinking of C sharp minor or F sharp minor. 
and of those two keys, C-sharp minor at the time seemed like the best choice, and that's why I ultimately ended up with this key. And ultimately, I think it ended up being quite a playful tune for an album like this, and uh, if you compare this song to the rest of my catalog, the rest of my catalog is pretty damn dark. So, this is not the darkest song, I think it's pretty light compared to many other songs, especially uh, my the heavier part of my catalog. And even on this album, it is still an upbeat, dancey song. I'm glad that I was able to capture that experience from Spring 2008. And uh, it was a huge pleasure and an interesting challenge to remake this song in 2020 and make it into, give it a new life, basically. So, this is guys when I'm gonna wrap up this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cat Tunes dedicated to the song Fixing Kiss. If you haven't heard the album, I tell you what, yet, please find Catherine Corelli on any streaming platform or online store. You can stream my music on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, wherever they stream music, you can find me. Give this song a listen. If you want to leave me some comments, you can reach out either at ladycatherinecorelli at gmail.com or if you're going to stream it on YouTube, you can leave me a comment right there under the track and I will see it. Thank you very much for checking out this podcast and um, you will hear me again on the next episode.